Before we start the episode, I just want to bring your attention to a crowdfunding campaign that we're doing here at Popular Front. If you go to www.popularfront.co slash 10k, so that's 10k, we're trying to raise 10 grand because Popular Front is moving very fast and we feel like to capitalize on the momentum we've created, we really need a little bit of money on the side just to buy new equipment, pay a few volunteers and go to different places. So yeah, www.popularfront.co popularfront.co slash 10k if you're in the position to put your hands in the pocket and support us please do think about it this is popular front a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me jake hanrahan today we're speaking to raki app he's an activist of the free west papal campaign and he's going to be talking to us about what is basically an uprising going on right now by the West Papua people against the Indonesian government in their areas. It's a conflict you hear very little about and right now the Indonesian government has turned the internet off and there's very little information able to get out of West Papua. We know at least 10 people have been killed and the people are continuing the protest so Raki's going to give us an idea about the history of the conflict and why you should be paying attention to it right now. If you like what we're doing and you want the bonus episodes, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon at patreon.com slash popular front. Before we talk about um, what is essentially an uprising right now, maybe you can tell us what is West Papau, you know, like a lot of people unfortunately don't even know where this place is, have never heard of it and it's a very long running kind of conflict. Okay, so for the people who don't know where West Papua is located, it is uh, just right above Australia. And it's like the western half of the island of New Guinea. And, and the name we call it is West Papua. And before it was illegally, from one point of view, became part of Indonesia, it was a Dutch colony. So known as uh, the Netherlands New Guinea, uh, in the early 60s, the, the Dutch were actually preparing the West Papuans towards independence. So, so it is absolutely from importance that people understand the root causes of the uprising we see today in West Papua. And it starts actually at, you know, the unfinished decolonization of West Papua as part, uh, clearly part of the Pacific Island uh, uh, nations. So... Um, in, in 1961, when West Papua was part of, of uh, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, uh, the Netherlands prepared West Papua towards independence. They gave the West Papuans the Morning Star flag, as we can see they're waving it on every city during every protest. The Morning Star flag was given by the Kingdom of the Netherlands on the royal decision, all in the preparation of an own state, West Papua. After that, they installed the first government known as the New Guinea Council. And besides that, they also installed the Papuan Voluntary Corps, which was actually a kind of military force trained by the Dutch military. And it all uh, was installed and ready to take over their own country in 1961. Suddenly, and this is the interesting bit, which people should know of and why it's probably been hidden until now, is because the United States get involved and even the United Nations facilitated this illegal transfer from the Netherlands uh, to Indonesia because in 1962, August 15, 1962, in the headquarters of the United Nations in New York, 
the Netherlands and Indonesia signs an agreement known as the New York Agreement. Mm-hmm. Without the involvement of any indigenous West Papuan, they decided about their future. So with the signing of that agreement, uh, it had an article which uh, said that the West Papuans should uh, had the opportunity to vote uh, via a referendum. Uh, uh, we know today as the Act of Free Choice, which was held in 1969. And this is the, the most important part of the history, the so-called Act of Free Choice, which was held in August uh, 1969, was a big farce. It was, the, I think, the biggest international fraud uh, uh, happened under the eyes of the United Nations. And that makes it uh, probably, you know, the most sensitive issue of this time because of the, uh, the collaboration of the Netherlands, of Indonesia, of the United States and the United Nations itself. Because... You know, um, instead of a one-man, one-vote principle, uh, how the uh, referendum should took place, uh, Indonesia selected 1,026 men, uh, um, threatened themselves and their families um, uh, to vote, to vote for uh, integration into Indonesia. That was the referendum. So you don't have to be a lawyer nor a scientist to understand this. This, this referendum was a act against international law, mm-hmm. against human rights, whatever. So since then, we became part of the Indonesia we know today. And the world was there uh, letting it happen. So since that moment, West Papua became part of Indonesia, the violence started, the occupation started, and the killing started against indigenous West Papuans. So what we see today is the sentiment of 75 years of colonialism of racism and of uh, extraction of our resources. Because what the um, uh, interesting thing about the referendum, before the referendum took place in 1967, world largest gold mine located in the heart of West Papua had signed an agreement between that corporation, a US uh, corporation and the Indonesian government. So that makes, oh, you know, very, What's the right word? It's very corrupt as far as I see that. Exactly, exactly. I think that's the best word you, you can get. It's, it, it was everything was like um, a red. It, did, it shouldn't took place, but it happened because probably because of the economic interest. And, you know, the world's biggest gold mine is also the third largest copper mine located in West Papua. And beside that, you know, we have gas fields and all kinds of other resources. So we are like the richest province of Indonesia um, living as poorest citizens of Indonesia uh, uh, handled as second-class citizens in our own country, knowing we are one of the richest countries in the world. And that is the sentiment we see today. Yeah, um, it's a big, big problem. Um, maybe you can tell us about the the violence, because I've been reading into this and researching this for a few years, and it seems like the Indonesian military specifically has been incredibly violent to the indigenous people there. Yeah, so, so since they uh, invaded West Papua in 1963 uh, uh, with a military force, they never leave. So since they uh, invaded us, the killing started. Um, the reason I fled to the Netherlands was after Indonesian special forces killed my father, Arnold Op. He was an anthropologist and a musician, very, very familiar musician until now. Mm-hmm. And because he made music about, you know, the aspiration and of, of the West Papuan people, to live free uh, in the, in their own country, to you know express their their songs, their culture, you know uh, Indonesia didn't allow it. So uh, they 
you know, deny people to express their own culture in their own land. And all they did was oppression and killing indigenous people when they want to do it. And, um, you know, the last report of Amnesty International um, um, published in July uh, uh, 2018, you know, the title of that report was like, don't bother, just let them die. So, and it says everything about, you know, Indonesian presence in West Papua, which is only interested in our uh, resources. But since Indonesia, um, you know, occupy a country, uh, NGOs are estimating more than 500,000 killings. And that is one third of our population. So imagine that uh, until now, Indonesia banned all foreign media to, do, to report um, in West Papua. So there's no journalist uh, allowed to, to enter West Papua because they don't want to know the world know what is what is happening there. And that's the problem uh, which is underlining everything in West Papua, that the world still doesn't know where West Papua is located, a lot of people in the world, and not knowing what is happening there. So they can do whatever they want and they're doing it and get away with it with, you know, uh, killing with impunity. That's what the report of Amnesty says. Yeah, I mean, I certainly tried a few years back to look into it, like trying to get there, because generally with my work, I often go to, uh, you know, conflict zones that people are not generally going to or try to. And everybody I spoke to was like, no, nah, it's just not possible. You know, it seemed they've got it all locked down there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, um, of course, we got uh, our own ways to get into West Papua. So we got some journalists also from the Netherlands you know, via Papua New Guinea, we could smuggle them in because, you know, our our freedom fighters and our activists, we know the way, we know the jungles in West Papua crossing mm. the border to Papua New Guinea. So, so if we want, we can get people. And that's the way, you know, we get our stories here in the Netherlands, for example, or in the UK. But if you, you, you go via Jakarta using the ordinary way, it's going to be very, very difficult, you know. And when, when foreigners are entering West Papua and, you know, they're not black-skinned or don't have Indonesian lookalikes, then, you know, immediately, you know, security forces, indigenous forces will follow them. Yeah, they're a target. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got camera equipment with you, uh, you're going to, you know, it's going to be for sure that uh, you're going to be targeted by the security forces to monitor, monitor you everywhere. Because in West Papua, you've got everywhere checkpoints of military security personnel but, you know, they're hiring, you know, citizens, you know, to monitor foreigners. You know, they get paid when they bring information to these um, checkpoints or military stations. So they got eyes everywhere. Even priests and, you know, human rights group lawyers got monitored every day, every day in West Papua. So even in front of their homes, you know, they, they got uh, so-called market guys. But if they're actually, you know, as eyes and ears for the Indonesian intelligence forces. So it's going to be very tough, you know, if you want to do reports over there. Right. So it's like even if people manage to get there, they're still being watched all the time. Like people can't really speak freely. Exactly. If you don't got the right contact, you know, you really can't manage it to, you know, uh, um, get out of the eyes of the security personnel. Um, so you have to know some locals, you know, who guide you, who know the safe places and the persons you should get to. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult, um, you know, to find your way and to get to the right uh, persons. It's got to be a risk because if you go to the wrong person, you know, you will get caught by these uh, security forces. So it's, it's, uh, that's, you know, the most, the biggest risk, you know, journalists don't go there because it, it, it could go to prison. And we've seen it a couple of years ago. They, 
they get caught and they get almost treason um get you know uh, brought to court for treason so it's Jesus. it's yeah it's it's really tough um, you mentioned the the freedom fighters there. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the resistance movement because that's something I'm very interested in. I know there's very little resources for them, but they're still trying to fight back. So yeah, you know these uh, Indonesia usually call them rebels or separatists, but um, if you you know the history after that, you know you must understand this. These rebels are actually a follow up of the first installed Papuan voluntary corps under the Netherlands. So since Indonesia took over, these rebels, you know, pick up the guns and they, you know, they want to protect the country. That's 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 what happened. So, and since the colonization continues, you know, yeah, those these rebel strongholds keep keep stays alive. It is their country. They live in these jungles. It is the house. It is the home. So so these are actually freedom fighters who were there, living there for centuries in the home, and they were actually, you know, preparing themselves in the early 60s towards independence, but didn't. Uh, succeed because Indonesia colonized them um, and since then they're there and so they're still uh, holding this desire towards freedom which is now visible among all West Papuans and that is the sentiment we see these strongholds rebel strongholds always were there but it was just a minority you know living in this in this uh, in the deep jungle in the edges of the cities but the sentiment the desire from for freedom is among you know, almost uh, every single indigenous West Papua. And that is what we see today in West Papua. The desire for freedom never, never disappeared. It is still there. And now it come out. Now it come out because, you know, this racist uh, incident is not an incident, but it is, you know, a systematic problem of colonization, of discrimination, of marginalization in our own country. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Recently in the news, for the very first time in a very long time anyway, I saw Wes Papau come up, but there's headlines, and I thought, oh, okay, what's going on? So there's been some kind of clashes, right, with the students, and then that turned into what I would call a small uprising, I mean, considering how locked down the area is. What's happening? So um, it, it, it all started with this uh, attack and ratio comments against West Papuan students uh, who were studying in Surabaya on the island of Java. Uh, you know, and they were at, at the dormitory um, and suddenly uh, uh, bystanders uh, uh, joined by police and military, uh, you know, shouting at them uh, because they had, uh, they founded a Indonesian flag uh, in a uh, what 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 is it in a um, uh, water reservoir over there near near to the school, mm-hmm. so ne- nobody sees it. But you know the racist comments already started, and it was supported by the security forces, and it was all filmed, and it went viral. So, so wait, sorry. So so the the way this started was because the Indonesian forces found an indonesian flag basically in the river or whatever and then for some reason they then turned on the students exactly and and even until now it doesn't make sense and even there is no evidence that you know the students did that they just saw an indonesian flag close to the student complex and they say it was them and you know and then the racist comments and the attack started so it was based on nothing uh, uh, but, you know, we it is something common. If something happens, you know, the West Papuans got um, uh, uh, appointed as, you know, as criminals, as whatever they call it. So it, this is not an incident. This is a systematic problem. 
but now you know this video got viral and you know there wasn't an evidence until now and the the reaction of indonesia was sending an anti-terrorist team entering this student dormitory this is this is the insane you know behavior of colonial indonesia there was there isn't even a evidence kind you know and for such a thing sending a anti-terror unit to get this, the students arrested and they don't even like, have guns you know these are students man come on you you will send a police officer or even you know a military was even to but a anti-terrorist unit to get the students is like you know this is like intimidation by a state you know uh, um state apparatus uh, whatever but this is like you know which weapons are you know actually used and that's that that's the you know this mad thing we are used to this kind of attitude and violence by this indonesian state it is like a normal thing in west papua against west papua and so uh, when this video get uh, viral and then you know it's like all this sentiment of 57 years of oppression discrimination marginalization come out and that is what we see today in west papua and if you saw the other footages footages video footages of the students because they were filming too you could hear them saying, um, they say, I would say, Bapak, father, this is not the way you should communicate to us. What is this? Is, did you get your instruction? So they were talking very correctly. And you saw this, uh, you know, bystanders and this Indonesian uh, security force saying, monkey, dogs, uh, go back to your country. You know, and mm-hmm. this, this is like the problem with Sparks and this entire protest, our course was Papua. And it was, you know, we were already expecting this will happen at a certain point. But, you know, this come to a surprise that it happened now. And we are very glad with it because... So it was like the spark. It was like the spark of what we see today, you know. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, because this this is not an incident. We already know the behavior of Indonesia. But this was like the the spark that, you know, that... um, that, activated all the sentiments of every West Papua who lived there for 57 years under this racism, racist um, regime in Indonesia. So, yeah, and I, I think, you know, this sentiment will never disappear. Even when this protest will lay down, this sentiment will never disappear. So I'm very curious how this will uh, work out. So what actually happened then after the students were, you know, kind of brutalized by the police and what have you, and the, the anti-terror unit went in, there was protests, right? And I saw that one of the judicial buildings, I think it was, got burnt down. Tell us about that. What what happened? Yes. Yeah, so after, you know, this, this footage is, um, uh, get viral in West Papua and other parts of Indonesia. So these, these like peaceful resistance movements all across West Papua, like the KMPB, but also the freedom movement, our, our, our activists on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. immediately reacted and start to mobilize the people, you know, to say, all right, monkeys, let's, you know, um, let's, uh, rise up and show that we don't, if they call us monkeys, then get out of our country. So it was like the starting point of all these activists and other students, but also church leaders and uh, governors in West Papua starting to mobilize and rise up and say enough is enough. And that is where these, you know, big protests started. And, you know, of course, um, you got always uh, some of these uh, people, you know, who, who use violence who you lose, um, you know, uh, bad behavior to express themselves. And that is where, you know, these buildings 
probably started to, you know, get burned. But, you know, I'm not laying awake from that because, mm. uh, but, but you know, it, it is very clear that it is a very logic sentiment with, with, which we see. This is, you know, 57 years of brutal occupation, 500,000. Yeah. What about that? Who cares about that building? Exactly. exactly. It, you know, yeah. it's about human lives who have been killed, our land destroyed, our values who have been destroyed. Who cares about that one building of the colonial Indonesian government? So let me say that way. But besides that, who said that it was West Poppins who burned that building? It is Indonesia who, are, who is closing, you know, journalists from entering, doing their job. It is Indonesia who is who's stopping use this Internet connection. So probably they got something to hide. And we they are very familiar to set up their own, you know, uh, scenarios to put West Poppins in a bad, bad, you know, daylight. So perhaps it is them, you know, uh, torching these buildings and making news so the world sees, look, look, Poppins are burning this government building. We don't know. Mm. So f- from our point of view, let the world come to West Poppins and do the report. So because it's probably Indonesia who's, who are hiding something. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's sad that this building go, goes up, but, you know, I'm not... That's not my biggest worry. My biggest worry is that, you know, militia groups are active in West Papua and they are facilitated by Indonesian military. That is more worrying. You know, that's what the world should know. The world should know about this illegal occupation, about this 500,000 killings. Who cares about this one building, you know, government building who's on, mm. what's on fire? So are the protests spreading? Are they still active? The last time I saw, they looked to be getting quite lively. Um, but I've not seen anything else for a few few days, at least a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fair too. And you know, we've seen that the internet is is still cut off. Um, uh, but you know, we've I've seen footages of today um, in in like the in different areas in West Papua. So I, the movement uh, is still there. Protests are still going on, but we don't see any footages because of this internet connection, um, which Indonesia have cut off. But um, for as far as I know and the information I got, this protest will still continue to go and the mobilization is still uh, going on. So, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting more uh, more protests um, the coming days. Um, and yeah, from, from here in the Netherlands, we're following it on the foot and make sure we will do our part in the Netherlands in forming media centers, politicians and uh, making our own protest here as well. Sure. And what kind of reaction has the the Indonesian military um, had towards these latest protests? So we have um, uh, seen reports of um, at least 10 people now killed by um, Indonesian military forces, um, uh, including children and women. So, um, um, so that's very sad. But the most worrying part from our side is that um, Indonesia usually uh, use, um, uh, you know, nationalist, is fundamental Muslim um, militias, mm. um, you know, to intimidate and attack peaceful uh, protests, which happened. And ABC Australia reported about that, and also the UN. Uh, I'm very glad that the UN uh, Human Rights Commissioner. Uh, uh, took that also in a note and a statement last uh, September 4th. So, um, but it is, you know, and we've know, we know what Indonesia did in East Timor. I don't know if you're familiar with that case. Yeah, yeah, it's a genocide, right? Exactly. They killed, you know, one third of the population knowing that the entire security council was on the watch. So, so this is a very um, a worrying situation that we see the same militia groups um uh, joined by Indonesian military forces, you know, walking in the streets of West Papua. So they're basically jihadist groups, you're saying, like jihadist militias going after West Papuans? 
absolutely uh you know organized and facilitated by indonesian military which they did in east timor and now they're also in west papua so that's the most worrying part about uh, what is happening in west papua so and you know they are they are attacking peaceful activists and you know we even see military shooting at you know from the other side of the river to peaceful activists so this is and you know because they're banning the entire media, they're shutting down the internet. You know, the information can't get out as much as we hope to. So that's that's the big problem. Uh, mm. So they can do whatever they want, and um, you know, they do. They already did it for the last fifty-seven years. But in this kind of situation, you know, cutting off all the information is like the most. It's like a blackout, and they can do whatever they want. Oh, yeah. Well, generally, any any dictatorship or you know authoritarian leader that cuts out the internet, you know why? Because they want to do bad stuff and they don't want anyone to find it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we are aware of that. And we hope you know the international pressure uh, pressure must rise on Indonesia and the Indonesian government. And luckily, the first good step is that you know a lot of Pacific Island nations are um, you know calling on the UN to act, calling on the United Nations Human Rights Commissioner to visit West Papua. Uh, but yeah, it's the Indonesian government who's still, you know, doing their own thing. So, you know, we need more pressure to make sure that they will, you know, reopen the Internet uh, um, um, uh, and, you know, letting uh, foreign journalists doing the, their job in West Papua. And otherwise, you know, they can still continue all these crimes uh, against indigenous West Papuans. Would you, would you say this is an uprising? Yeah, absolutely. This is, you know, I'm um, I'm 35 years now. I've, you know, joined this uh, Free West Papua campaign, you know, this, this um, freedom struggle since, you know, I was 16 years old and I have never seen that's a thing like this. So, so I encourage it and I hope I, I don't see this, you know, the sentiment disappearing again. So even when it will come down, it will not disappear and it will come back again. But I think this is huge. And I think, you know, from this uh, information I got, we will forward this momentum, make sure that the world will no longer ignore what is happening there. And, you know, uh, demanding a right of freedom, you know, which was hijacked with this illegal referendum and this illegal integration to Indonesia. So what you see at the protest is a lot of, you know, um, text like referendum, freedom. So this this aspiration uh, will be, uh, you know, dead and it won't disappear. And I think this is the momentum that the entire nation will forward, you know, this vision and this desire towards freedom. So yes, it is an uprising and my point of view, we know we are heading towards uh, another momentum and, and another momentum and another momentum until we got uh, our freedom. That is my expectation from this uprising. Sure. Um, and what role do the resistance groups play in this kind of situation, if any? You know, I know that some of them are armed. They've got what they've got. Where do they come into all this? So, um, you know, we from the leadership uh, now so the united liberation movement for West pop it's like an umbrella um uh, diplomatic you know wing you know their statement and we have always campaigning peacefully so that is that is our point of view now so these rebels are there but they are not you know provoking the indonesian government because we know our case is very strong unless indonesia is entering their you know, their strongholds there will be a gunfight uh, you know, our campaign and our freedom struggles always focused on a peaceful way. So, you know, we just want the world to know what is happening there. That is where our campaign is focused on, you know, just telling the truth. You know, when 
how West Papua became part of Indonesia. They know international laws on our side. So our campaign and our freedom struggles peacefully, unless Indonesia, as you know, uh, military operation in areas, in villages, then there will be a shootout between these uh, freedom fighters. So, and it is, it is, you know, international law, it is self-defense. We have the right of self-defense. Of course, self-defense is a must for anybody. And they will always to try a spin out, you know, making and uh, stigmatize the, the freedom fighters, these rebels. But, you know, we have all the right to protect our people. We have all the right to protect our land. And we have all the right to fight for uh, an independent nation, which was the, the uh, um, agenda on the first place when the Netherlands was there. So the, the only thing illegal in West Papua is Indonesia and the military forces. So we will continue, you know, this peaceful campaign, um, you know, informing the people in the world, the governments, that the right of self-determination belongs to the people of West Papua. And we are very confident now because the world can see now the desire of this entire nation and all the people that they want freedom. So that is what we are focusing on. And I'm very confident, you know, um, that mm. this momentum will be stronger and even bigger. And, um, you know, this is huge. This is going to be huge because West Papua is like world's second largest island housing the world's second largest rainforest. So the reason I became a climate activist as well is because I gonna want to inform this, you know, environmental organization, all these governments who are caring about, you know, this climate change, they can no longer ignore what is happening with Papua because, you know, saving this indigenous peoples, you know, the IPCC and the UN already mentioned it, it's like, you know, saving indigenous communities, we're saving forests and we're saving, you know, protecting this planet by um, um, making sure that there won't be a lot of carbon. So, so therefore, you know, this is, this, is, this is a much bigger issue than, you know, West Papua alone. And that is what we are trying to educate in the first place, the Pacific Island people who are now getting more and more aware, who are really vocal about their cause. But it is a, you know, an issue the world must realize its, its importance for the entire planet. And that is this, this is the cause, you know, which keeps me all day busy educating students, educating, you know, uh, uh, academics, activists in the Netherlands and in London as well, joining Extinction Rebellion. This is going to be a big case. And the, when the world is knowing what is happening in West Papua, you know, we are a very rich country. Uh, we are occupied, you know, they, they can no longer ignore it. So it's about people, when people know it, we got a very, very strong story. Yeah, man. Well, good luck to you and your people. Um, Raki, if, if anybody wants to get hold of you and, you know, follow your activism and your work, how can they do that? Well, they can visit our website, www.freewestpapua.org, and they got our information and the links to, to myself as well. And feel free to contact us to ask information and how you can join. Everything is welcome. Yeah, every help. And you guys are on Twitter as well, right? Yes, we got a Twitter account, Free as Papua Twitter. We got our Instagram and Facebook account. So yeah, uh, follow off our social media accounts, share our posts and get involved, man. Brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate that. Wow, Jake, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it very much as well. was Raki App talking about the current uprising in West Papau. Be sure to uh, follow his campaign on Twitter. It's at Free West Papau, which is spelled P-A-P-A-U. 
If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Popular Front 10K campaign. We're trying to raise 10 grand because basically all our equipment is fucked and we're moving very rapidly and we're not really able to keep up with the stuff we've got. So we're trying to raise 10 grand. It's not that much, you know, but, it, but it's something. Um, we've got just over halfway now and we've got like, I think, 20 days left. So if you go to popularfront.co slash 10k10k, you can support us there. Um, alternatively, you can subscribe to the Patreon. You get bonus episodes, access to the Discord, which, to be honest, has become this incredible kind of popular front hive mind of people sharing all different research and information. Um, for me, it's vital, to be honest, now with my work. But uh, yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash popularfront, also, we've got a lot more stuff on the shop. There's more merch. We're selling the private suite advert as an A3 poster now, a big vaporwave design, very intricate. Um, people seem to like it. Go to popularfront.bigcartel.com. We've also got a lot of t-shirts there. The um, Slava t-shirt right now is the best seller. Everybody seems to want that. So yeah, go there, um, popularfront.bigcartel.com. This episode was sponsored by the defensepost.com, defense with an S. Check them out for regular reporting on the world in conflict. Also, just want to say a big thank you to the people that have been supporting Popular Front through Bitcoin. Uh, the Bitcoin community has been very generous and seems to believe in our kind of ethos of no corporatism, no authoritarianism, and certainly no elitism. Um, if you want to continue supporting us with the Bitcoin, go to popularfront.co slash support and you will see our Bitcoin wallet there. Um, and just so you know, this isn't a fad. I've been involved in Bitcoin since I was like 22. Um, so yeah, you can even check my work. I was at the first Bitcoin conference with Amitaki and stuff like that. So yeah, thank you very much to the, uh, the community there. Be sure to follow our documentaries. Go to youtube.com slash popularfront. You have to subscribe and hit the bell because YouTube is doing everything it can to censor our content because they said it's violent content that we're putting out. We're putting out journalism, hard journalism, hard news, dispatches, all of that. Um, and they don't they don't seem to realize you know the algorithm decides now the fucking algorithm so basically they see violence you know there was a video of a fascist getting kicked in the face when we you know when we put up our ukraine anarchist video and after that they've really started censoring us so it's hard to find stuff on on the popular front youtube like a lot of people said to me oh we don't even know you do docs like and we just got back from syria filming a documentary you know so it's a bit of a pain but yeah youtube.com slash popular front please do share it around we're getting there, like subscribers there are getting up. Um, but again, it's just, it's not turning up really in search results. The videos don't get recommended. Again, YouTube bullshit, they don't care. Um, we've spoken to the team YouTube people. And when I point out that, hey, like there are big companies like Vice and BBC and Sky News who put out much more violent content than us, which of course they would because it's news and it's fair, they don't get censored. And I've mentioned that five times in five different conversations now with team YouTube. All of these conversations they've been replying to until I mentioned that and then they just go completely quiet, they ignore it. So, you know, YouTube isn't a platform for like grassroots stuff or it's not a platform to promote your, your own independent stuff anymore, unfortunately, unless you've kind of, I don't know, unless you're doing fucking cat videos or something. But yeah, it's still Popular Front, uh, we're on there. So youtube.com slash Popular Front. Please do subscribe, please do share the videos. We do need that support from everybody. 
Also be sure to follow us on Instagram. We've got a lot going on there. We nearly got banned because we were getting mass reported. I have mentioned this before, but it's looking like things are doing okay. And I spoke to someone at Instagram and even though the algorithms do ultimately decide your fate there, um, yeah, we're still up anyway. So instagram.com slash popular dot fronts. We've got loads of stuff there. And we also use the Instagram to promote other people, to promote other stuff that we like. And I've said this from day one, popular front does not share things it doesn't like. So we don't see something, oh yeah, give us money and we'll share it. No, everything we share and promote is something we genuinely think is good because I don't think a lot of people do that. They'll just share whatever the fuck, you know, like you see all these YouTube videos, unfortunately have to like pretend to want to sell razors or pretend that they like some bullshit mobile game. Um, because, you know, again, YouTube has, has stopped them monetizing their channel, which again, they've done to us before we even applied for monetization. Um, I should stop moaning about YouTube now, but yeah, we will never share anything we don't genuinely think is good and worth sharing, you know? Because as I said, this is completely grassroots, 100% independent, and mostly we are funded by the subscriptions on the Patreon. So thank you very much to the following uh, high tier Patreons. Without you, none of this would be happening. Those people are Anthony Kabarik, Russia Alakidi, Adam Berg Snyder, Axel Iverson, Brian McLaughlin, Callum Ross, Chad Walker, Christina Rivetti. Christopher Martin, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, David Gilmore, Diana Gorvanek, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Jack Mayhoff, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Josh. Uh, do let me know if you want your full name on there, mate. It's just Josh on the Patreon. Uh, Juan Hernandez, Kay Hardy Roberts, Kyle N. Payne, Lawrence Abrahams, LH, Laika Madik, <laughs> Margaret Bowling, uh, Moody Al Rashid, Nate Van Dor, Noah, Ari from the Discord, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack from What Bitcoin Did, very cool podcast, Cubal, Ryan Sandercock, Scartoon Music, Sebastian from the Discord, Surushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Teddy, Tom Lochrin, Tony Bin, Vida Provost, Zachary Hinch, thank you very much. We've got a ton of top tier Patreons there, man. Like, thank you so much. Without you lot, honestly, this would all collapse quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, the Patreon's doing well. It's getting to the point where I can probably start just doing Popular Front full time within the, probably the next six months, I reckon. You know, I think that that could be a possibility. Um, if things continue growing the way they're growing, which is just like an incredible thing, it means a lot more Popular Front. I mean, at the minute, you know, I'm a freelance journalist and I do work, obviously, on the side. And Popular Front is my, my kind of, you know, project, my, my um, passion project, I guess. But it's getting to the point where this is the whole business now. And that's very cool. So thank you very much. Um, again, if you do want to um, support us, patreon.com slash popular front or go to the 10, 10k campaign popularfront.co slash 10k I know you're getting sick of me mentioning that but we've only got 20 days left and I'm sure there's got to be rich people out there that can help us out you know so definitely do consider supporting it music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro was by Sam Black also known as Son of Old go to his SoundCloud soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old Thank you.